show you some truths and then I'm going to get in the scripture and it's just going to be part one of a message that he's birthing in me because we need to know how to live in this hour you know we're not living in a fairy tale world we're in the world but we're not of the world but we we have to live in the world as those that are not of the world does that make sense that we have a different mindset we're moving in a different direction and there are truths that we can Go, to, go home, go to the bank on. I, I want to show you, look over in Philippians chapter 1. Just remind us of some things that the Bible says about us that we're going to need in this hour. But Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, very familiar text. In fact, let's just back up in verse 3. He says, I thank my God. I thank, that'd be a good place just to camp out on Monday morning. Just wake up thanking God for who he is. Thanking God for what he's done. Thanking God for what he said. Thanking God for what he's going to do. Just spend the day, those opening moments of every week in thanksgiving. Does not the Bible say, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So just make that a part of your daily routine. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine, making request for you with all joy. And so he had a habit of praying for the saints, praying for one another with joy. And in verse 5, he's very thankful for the fellowship that we have in the gospel. And that is, that is what draws us together. It's not because we're always in agreement on the minor issues. It's because we're gathering around the Lord Jesus and around the gospel. But then this promise in verse 6 it's one of our favorite verses. It says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will do what? He will complete it. He'll perform it for how long? Until the day of Christ Jesus. Look at the person next to you and just say, the work he began in you, he's going to finish it. He's going to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. How many of you believe that? The enemy wants to cut it short, but God's word takes dominion over the word of the enemy and the doubts and the fears. And then look over in verse 12. But I want you to know, this is what Paul said to the church of Philippians. He said, I want you to know, brethren, that these things which have happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So what was happening to Paul? He was in prison. He was in prison. It did not look like everything was going to work out the way he thought it would. But he was confident. He said, this will actually work out for the furtherance of the gospel. Paul learned that it was not about him. It was about what God was doing to further the kingdom of God. It's not where he was, but what God was doing. And it's important that we learn it's not about you and me. Now, he loves you and me. He has a plan, and it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. But ultimately, it's about him and about the purposes of heaven, the furtherance of the gospel. Then look over in verse 19. For I know that this will turn out 
for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And there are two things that are very important in this hour. It's the prayers of the saints. You know, the Moravian lampstand that Helen has now overseen. And I so appreciate many of you that are involved, and I pray many will be a part of that. It is one of the most important things we're doing because it's the prayers of the saints that are going to enable people to survive the things that are coming and overcome them and to see his glory in the midst of it. And then the supply of Jesus Christ, and that's what we want to keep dishing out, man, because we've got plenty of him to give away. And when we think we've run out, he'll give us fresh grace. We'll have more than enough of him to give to those in need in this hour. And then an amazing scripture. Look over in verse 20. According, I had to memorize this according to my expectation, my earnest expectation, hope that I should not be put to shame in anything. But now, as always, Christ may be exalted in my body, whether I live or whether I die. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. There was a time when the Holy Spirit really impressed upon me that I had to memorize that verse. And there's a reason for it. Because it may be that you live or die. But look what Paul says about it. He says, my earnest expectation and hope is that I'm not going to be put to shame. I'm not going to be ashamed. But with all boldness, as always, so now Christ may be exalted, may be magnified in my body, whether I live or whether I die. He was saying it's not about me living or dying to depart. It's to be with Christ. You know, to, to depart and all of this, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But the ultimate was that he be magnified. The word boldness means courage. Freedom in speaking. Boldness in speech. A license to speech. Authority to speech. You know, they, they're trying to shut us up. And they're censoring believers and ministries at an alarming rate. I'm telling you, they're not going to shut him up. They may shut some of us up, but God's going to have his spokesman in this hour. And they've been given a license. Last week, I was amazed. Now, I love Brother John, you know, Rabbi John. He's not brother, he's rabbi, you know. But anyway, he told me, when he walked in, he stopped about halfway or third way down. and He just went, whoa. He said, I did not know what I'm walking into. He said, you got to tell me about this place. He said, I didn't realize the authority that's here and the anointing, the calling upon this place. And so you got to tell me, what is this place? He'd never heard of the gathering in Moravian Falls. And, and you know, people say stuff like that, and I'm always, you know, I, I just don't know what to say sometimes. All I want to do is walk in it. But God's given us an authority. He's given us a responsibility. To speak, the word means confidence. Speak with confidence, assurance, frankness. Sometimes you're going to have to be frank. Just tell it like it is. And nothing else is going to work. Jesus was frank. He said, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? I mean, he just told it like it was. He didn't back off. Especially when addressing the Pharisees. He, it means openness, plainly publicly, before all, and unambiguously. 
And the church in America must speak unambiguously. We've got to make it plain, be a sounding trumpet that can be understood. The word magnified means to enlarge, to enlarge, to amplify, to manifest in an extraordinary degree or to be exalted. Now, do you understand what that verse tells us? It's not about our living or dying. It's about His being magnified. Do you you get that? That I might not be put to shame in anything, but even now as always, Christ may be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, I want you to go with me to Ecclesiastes. Why would you go to Ecclesiastes? Because I'm just telling you, it is a battle manual for these days. I can't get to all of it. I'm just going to touch on a couple things this morning. But I'm gonna, we're going to go back to Ecclesiastes from time to time. God showed me things a long time ago from this book about the last days and it's like a it's a strategy a battle manual and I tried to preach it a few times and um, it was before time I remember preaching down in Fort Mill out of this and people looked at me like I'd lost my mind what in the world are you talking about how's that going to happen what do you mean and then I preached it down in Hammond, Louis. Now, this is not the message I'm preaching today, but I'm talking about out of the book of Ecclesiastes, the points. But I remember in Hammond, Louisiana, that they looked at me the same way. Like, how could this be? What are you talking about? You sounds like a science fiction movie. No, it's the Word of God. Yeah. I was just a little ahead of my time. Maybe God was, it was probably okay. I didn't feel bad about it. You know, I always feel bad if somebody looks at me like, like I'm stupid, you know. I mean, it. I don't know, maybe you enjoy it. You know, I don't enjoy it. I don't go home. Wow, they looked at me like I was stupid. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, I'm human, you know, but, but maybe God let me do that to, to give me the practice because there was going to be a day that it will all make sense. And this is that day. Now, I want you to go to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. And I want to start with verse 18, then, and we're just going to touch out of this book, and then we'll come back later. This is part one of some things that God has spoken to my heart, and we need to know them. In America, we need you in from many nations. You need to know what God's Word says about these days. But in verse 18, it says, wisdom is better than weapons of war. That man that I watched a little bit of on the Jim Baker show that wrote the book, you know, the battle manual, training manual for Armageddon, he talked about how there were at least 90 battles recorded in the Bible. And we've been in the midst of some of those battles. How many of you know war is happening right now? And one of them is an informational war. But look what in verse 18, this is better than all the weapons of war. Wisdom is better than the weapons of war. So whatever the enemy has, we have something far better, and it is the wisdom of God. In fact, he is our wisdom. He is our wisdom. And wisdom is better than weapons of war. Now look back in verse 12. 
This is the scripture. It begins, it's, this is 12b. Look at the, it says, like fish taken in a cruel net, like birds caught in a snare, so the sons of men are snared in an evil time when it falls suddenly upon them. Now that's a strange verse, but it speaks to our time. Now the title of this message this week and then next week is standing in the face of evil. Because like it or not, we're going to have to stand in the face of evil. And the Bible has a lot to say about it. It's not, this is not a woe is me message. It's a wow is God message. We don't preach woe is me messages here. If it starts out that way, it ends up, wow. You know what I mean? Because you should say woe when you see him face to face. Like, was it Isaiah? Woe. I'm a man of unclean lips. And so that is where it begins. But standing in the face of evil, I believe that history is going to record that America has just experienced the greatest heist in history. My grandfather loved Western movies. And when I would go see him before we got married, I would go spend a lot of time with my grandparents. I just liked to hang around my granddad in West Tennessee. And and I knew that when I went into their house, I was going to watch the Westerns because that's what he watched. So if you're going to spend time with granddad, what are you going to do? You're going to sit there and you're going to watch Roy Rogers. You're going to watch all these guys that... Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and Jesse James, Doc Holliday, Billy the Kid. The women, weren't, they weren't left out. Annie Oakley. And what was Calamity Jane? She was bad, you know. But I remember there were times when in these cowboy movies, the cowboys on their horses, they would hide behind the rocks and the train would come by and they would ride along the train jump off their horses and jump on the train. I always thought, what's going to happen with the horse? (laughs) He's gone. You're not going to see that horse. But what they were going to get by jumping on the train, they could buy many horses. And there was one guy. Now, they didn't make a movie about him. I found out his name was Grat Dalton. Gratton Dalton. He was a train robber and a bank robber in those days. He got killed trying to rob a bank. But he was a train robber, and he jumped on and got away with the goods. Now, people are saying, can things still be turned around? Well, I'm always of the mindset, nothing is impossible with God. So I'm not throwing all of that. I just know the times and seasons are in his hands. Do you know there's a scripture that says, but the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet, Shortly. Shortly. Do you know that God's shortlies are a lot longer than my instants? They can be many, many years. It could be a generation. I don't know. It's the God of peace. I just know he's a God of peace. And he's going to crush Satan under my feet shortly. Whatever the time. And I know this. Regardless of what happens in these next days, weeks, months, there are many opinions. You can dial an opinion. Find the one you like the most. 
But my hope is not in the outcome of a matter. My hope is in God regardless of the outcome. My hope is in Him and it does not matter. God matters. God's Word matters. And I'm going to line up on the side that I'm the one that trusts in Him. Regardless of what comes, my hope is in Him. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we're living in the days of the revelation. And so we're going to see him in a new way, revealed like we've never seen him before. And so my prayer is, even so, come Lord Jesus. And I know there are going to be a lot of things that are going to accompany this new revelation of him. But I want to see him. Now go back to that verse again in verse 12 of Ecclesiastes. Like fish taken in a cruel net. That word cruel is the word evil. They've been caught like birds caught in a snare, which means all of a sudden everything changed. They found that life took on a different approach and they had to adjust. So the sons of men are snared in an evil time when it falls upon them suddenly. They didn't expect it. They didn't think it would happen. And now it's happened. And that's why God is, you know, you know the remedy to being caught off guard is the watchman. The watchmen were supposed to be sounding the alarm, blowing the trumpet. What is the watchman supposed to do? He watches, and if he sees the sword coming, what is he to do? Tell the people, hey, everything is fine. You're going to make it. No problems. Hey, don't worry. It's all good. God has got it all in control, guys. Hey, it's going to be smooth sailing from here. Smell the roses. No. What do they do? They warn. They sound the alarm. They say, hey, yeah, all that I said is true in Christ, but the sword is coming. The sword is coming. So you got to prepare for the sword. And if he doesn't warn the people and they die, the Lord says, their blood I'm going to hold, you're going to be accountable for the blood. But if you warn them and they don't repent, then their blood's on them, right? And so we're to be watchmen. I tell you, many people deserted that calling. You know why? Because watchmen are not that popular. You're not going to gain a great audience by being a watchman. You may be, you'll be all by yourself watching. You'll be the watchman because nobody wants to hear. But, you know, it's really one of the important things. Now, the word evil in the Hebrew means disagreeable to God. Ethically evil. You think anything's happening that God would not necessarily put his stamp of approval on? Do you know that? The thief comes to steal. What does he do after he steals? He kills. Then what does he do after he kills? He destroys. So you say God's putting a stamp of approval on that? No. He came for something greater, to give us life and to give it abundance. You know there are going to be many things that are going to happen at the end of the age. Is this the end of the age? You know, I know no man knows the time, the hour, but you can know a little about the season it sure looks like things are heating up on planet Earth. And, but there are many things. There's going to be a falling away. Now, how are people going to fall away 
unless they were there to begin with. Why would they fall away? There'll be a great falling away, and the son of perdition will be revealed, the spirit of Antichrist. Jesus, do you know what Jesus said about the times before he comes? He said, men's hearts will fail them from fear of the things coming on the earth. But that's men's heart. It's not my heart. It's not your heart. Say, that's not my heart. That's, that's men's hearts who have no faith, but I'm in Christ. So my heart is not going to fear. And you have to make a choice on that. But I want to look at what the Bible says about standing. And I really, you know, should have added something in there before, or standing, you know, after. Maybe it's standing as an overcomer or boldly standing in the face of evil. And we have to remember, if you're going to be victorious, you know what you have to go through in order to be victorious? Battles. So I'm thankful. I, oh, by the way, I ordered that book, The Military Guide to Armageddon. I ordered it. We may want to order it as a congregation, go through it. These guys, they have the experience. So they've gone through the military, and now they're, born-again, sold-out, spirit-filled believers. We need to hear what all are saying that are hearing from him. So maybe we'll go through that book, but I wrote something myself many years ago that I wondered, when was it going to happen? I remember a time saying, God, when are you going to get on with it? You've been showing me these things. Now I almost wish I hadn't prayed that prayer. Maybe I could take that back. No, even so come, Lord Jesus. When you know who he is and who is going to be revealed, you want him to come. And all the things that will transpire around that. So there are not going to be any victories without battles. And you cannot be an overcomer unless there's something to overcome. So how are you going to overcome evil if you don't get an opportunity to stand in the face of it? Does that make sense to anybody? Would would anybody want to run out? You guys watching on the web stream, would you like to turn it off? You could. Don't do it. You're going to need this. We're going to need the Word of God. we got a million opinions out there. And many of them are right on target. I don't know. They may all be right. All I know is what God said, and he's right. So how are we going to stand in the face of evil? I'm only going to do three or four things, and then this is part one. We'll do part two next week. Are you guys good? Number one, the time has not caught God off guard. These days have not caught him off guard. He knew all about it. I want to read. I, I picked up a book. I read this Friday night. If you were here, you can hear it again, but... I picked up a book, and on the back of it, it just happened to say this. This is what the book's about. The times that have been foreseen, foretold, and mostly feared have suddenly come upon us. These will prove to be times like no other in all of history. If God had intended for you to live during any other age, he would have arranged it. Yet from the foundation of the world, God has purposed that you would live on the earth during a time of both unprecedented deception and darkness, and yet unequaled grace and glory. God has promised hope and help in troubled times. You may even discover that you were more prepared for these days than you had ever dreamed. 
because the times that were to come have come. I wish I had written that book. I did. Now, I'm not saying that so you go run buy a copy. I'm saying it because I wrote it 12 years ago. And God knew that we would be alive on the earth at this time in history. And I know many have feared these days. They've been foretold, forecast. And all of a sudden, here we are. Now, do you think God made a mistake by choosing the ones who were to be on the earth at this time? How many of you think he made a mistake? No. He knows what he's doing. And the time has not caught God off guard. Secondly, this is what the church, listen, the church has been praying for over 2,000 years for what God wants to do in this coming year. How do I know that? Let's all pray the Lord's Prayer together. Just pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but do what? Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, have we been praying, the the church, for 2,000 years that the kingdom of God would come and the will of God would be done on the earth just as it is in heaven? Do you think the Lord's going to answer that prayer? Absolutely. He wants heaven revealed on the earth. That's what's going to draw men to him when they see heaven on earth. Well, another part of that prayer is, Lord, deliver us from evil. You look it up, and it really is deliver us from the evil one. Now, do you think there's a good possibility that we've been praying that for 2,000 years, that God wants to answer our prayers? How many of you think there's a chance of that? And so we're going to be confident. He's answering. Now, how does God answer us that prayer? Well, sometimes he just delivers us from it. Just takes it away. But not always. Some of you know, not always. Sometimes he delivers us in it and through it. Though you walk through the river. Though you walk through the fire. Right? How many of you know that's true? You go through it. Remember Jesus, it said he had need to go through Samaria. Because he had an appointment there with the woman at the well. And we have divine appointments. And we have to go through things in order to get to them. And then other times, he does not deliver us, listen to me, until we've gone all through it and this life is over. Can I be honest with you? You want me to tell you a story? I'm not going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you the truth. How do you know that? The Bible says weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes. It comes, but not until the morning. Believers throughout all of history have found themselves going through times of great hardship and deliverance did not come until this life was over because they were not looking for what was built on the earth. They were looking for the one whose builder and maker was God. They looked for an eternal city. And that's where the scripture says they knew that no suffering of this present age 
could not even begin to prepare for the glory that he had prepared for us. Now I know that in the American Christianity, it's been painless and pain-free. Well, I'm telling you, this walk, this Christian life is not pain-free. It's just there's a promise when there will be no more pain, no more sorrow. He'll wipe away all the tears. Why do you think he's going to do that? Because there are going to be some tears. What do you think? Is he messed up when he wrote that in the book? I'm going to wipe away all the tears. No, he's going to wipe them away. But he's going to do it all in his timing. Now go with me to 2 Timothy. There's not a lot of amens this morning. I didn't think there would be. but Because I know this is the reason many are going to fall away from the faith in this hour. Because they were told that none of this would come. Can you imagine? I just heard in Ethiopia 750, I believe they were all believers, but they were they ran to a church for sanctuary and they were, they were demanded, they required to get out of the church and then they were all mowed down. They were shot, 750 believers. If you told them they were not going to experience any tribulation, they, would, they wouldn't laugh. They would probably sit down and begin to cry because that would, in that church were men and women and children, their own children, And they saw them, one after the other, being shot. This just happened. But there are things that happen like this all the time. What did I see? That one in eight believers now across the globe are experiencing some degree of severe persecution. And the American church thinks all will be fine. Well, anyway, 2 Timothy chapter 3. And all will be fine. In Christ. Say, I'm in Christ. Say, I'm in the world. But I'm not of this world. Hang with me. Look at, now let's just look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. And we've looked at this verse many times. And um, anyway, but know this. Know it. Say, I got to know this. That in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers. Verse 4 is the word traitors. Say traitors. Do you know the Bible said there would be traitors? Headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. What does that mean? That means there will be those that will have a profession of faith, but their lifestyle will not prove or declare that their profession is actually real. That there's no power behind what they say they believe in. And then he goes on and talks about Janus and Jambres. I like how the Lord, now this was Paul writing to Timothy, but he named names. There are times I want to name names. Now, in this hour, you may be censored if you name names. Well, if he tells me to name names, I'm going to name names. Because he's taking names. I'm telling you, he's taking names. And then going on, he talks, we're going to come back here someday when we're talking about the juicy subject of persecution. 
Because we got to go there too. But verse 12, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Verse 13, but evil men, say evil men, and imposters will do what? Will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But what are you going to do about it? Run for the hills. No. Look in verse 14. But you must continue in the things which you've learned and you've been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned these things. And then he emphasizes the Holy Scriptures. Know the Word of God. And then over in chapter 4, he's charging Timothy. He says, I charge you to preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season, that in the midst of this time you keep preaching. Now, going back to that verse In verse 13, the word evil means bad, unsound, or malignant. You know, malignant, that describes cancer to me. You have a malignant tumor that's spreading. And you know, that's exactly what sin is. It's like a malignancy. If you allow that to continue, what's going to happen? It eventually will spread a little leaven, does what? It leavens the whole lump. The word means envious, courteous, or covetous. No, not courteous. Covetousness, wicked or evil. Now, the word imposter means a juggler. So if somebody came in, I tried to do this some, it'd never work. I could two of them. Then you get three, it's a little more hard. You get four, forget it. But if I was juggling this morning four or five bowling pins, you'd be paying attention to what I'm doing, wouldn't you? Especially if I got up there about six, seven, or eight of them. That's what the enemy, that's what he says. What he does, he juggles to get the attention of the people. And then while they're paying attention to what he's doing, the enemy's doing something behind the scenes they're not even looking for. That's the way he works. I'll give you an example. Well, let me back up. Let me ask you a question. Does the Bible say that all the wicked are going to be arrested and they're going to face justice and there are 250,000 indictments ready to indict them? Eventually. Eventually. But the Bible says that evil men will grow worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. Now, who are you going to believe? Now, could it be that those guys told the truth? Maybe we're a little bit ahead of schedule, and all of a sudden this week, thousands of indictments are passed down. It could happen. God's justice is not always until then. Sometimes there's justice right now. In fact, it would be better if the evil and wicked men and women in America were judged right now. You know why? They'd have a chance to repent and get right with God. If God waits until then to bring justice, there's no repentance. So, so I'm, hey, I trust in him and in his timing. I'm just reading the Bible. But I saw where there was a Michigan congressman. No, no, this was a, no, he did something else. What he said was absolutely crazy. But it was in New Jersey, and it was a New Jersey Congress 
woman or maybe congressman, and they shared about what's called the Free Reproductive Freedom Act. It's not about reproductive freedom. It's about abortion being offered all the way up to the end of nine months, right up until delivery. And it's one of the bills that are going to be voted on. And those who are opposing it, they didn't call it the Reproductive Freedom Act. They called it the Freedom to Kill Act. And that's exactly what it is. And not only do they want the freedom to kill, they want tax-funded. Taxpayers are going to pay for it. And I know there are many champions. You know, I know one of them. What is that? The heartbeat bill? That lady is a warrior. She's like a calamity Jane, but she knows Jesus. And she's on the path, and she's not going to be deterred. And I thank God for people like that. I, after that, they said that, no, where did I hear? On the Jim Baker show. He said that abortions worldwide since January the 1st have skyrocketed. Over 1.8 million or something more abortions. It was something unheard of. But the race toward evil. And the Bible says, you know, the masks are going to come off in this hour. You know that. I'm talking about their mask. You're going to find out what they've been believing all along. And you're going to find out who some of them were that you thought would not be even possible. That they are who they really are. Because Jesus said everything hidden is going to be revealed. There's nothing covered that will not be made known. Now people would say, and in America, I've asked this question, God, why do people want other people to suffer? Why do they want us destroyed? Why do they want to destroy our children's future? Why? What kind of human being would want another human being to live in some kind of captivity all their lives. Well, you know, the Bible addresses that. Number one, it's because of the heart. Jeremiah said the heart is deceitful and wicked. It means beyond human cure. There is no remedy for the plague of the human heart. And he said, who can know it? And so we know that's true, but also... We know that Satan has his disciples on the earth. The Bible says how that, you know, he's the prince of the power of the air that works in who? The sons of disobedience. Well, who do you, whose will do you think the sons of disobedience are going to do? Their father, the devil. That's why Jesus at times, he went up and he said, you're of your father, the devil, and the deeds of your father you always want to do. He just said it like it was. And so there's this battle today. And then another thing, go to Ephesians chapter 5. Everybody's still with me? It's going to end victorious. You have to read the end of the book. You know, there pro if there are 90 battles in the Bible, probably some of them, if you stopped halfway into it, you'd say, man, this is terrible. But you got to get through it. You got to trust. Who are you going to trust? We've often said to the people, who are you going to call in these days? Ghostbusters? We are the Ghostbusters. Say, I'm a Ghostbuster. We're the ones. There's nobody else. One, nine, one, one, you know, whatever. 
You're it. I'm it. And the one that is greater lives in us. Why do you think that verse says that? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We're going to have to know the truth of that. Look in Ephesians now, chapter 5, verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly. What does that mean? Carefully. Many, you, you cannot walk carelessly in this hour. You better be somewhere where you're being trained in the battle manual, where you're being told of what's coming so that you can stand firm when the storms come. I'll never forget reading about false prophets in the Bible. And I do this sometimes when I'm reading the Bible. I just stop and ask God a question. You ever do that? I said, Lord, there sure were a lot of false prophets in your day and in Paul's day. And I remember he, I was reading the scripture. And he said, keep reading. So I kept reading. And it says, there were false prophets as there will be in your day. They're going to be false prophets. And they're going to promise prosperity and peace. Every prophet in the Old Testament especially told the people of the consequences of their sin to lead them to repentance. It was only through repentance. And the New Testament is we have the cross. you got to be led to the cross. There's no other way. Jesus took upon himself the full wrath of mankind so that we could know forgiveness. And we got to walk in his word in this hour. But let's go back. Now see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools. I hear some people saying things today that it might have worked last year. But if you try to walk out what you're saying right now, it's going to get you killed. You better know what you're saying. You better know who you believe in. You better be persuaded. I am persuaded. And I trust in him. You got to know. You got to follow the lamb wherever he goes. Did you hear me? That's in the revelation. Follow the lamb wherever he goes. People that are thinking of moving here, don't move here unless you're following the lamb here. Because if you follow the lamb here, he'll protect you here. He'll provide for you here. Many come and they don't last because they didn't follow the lamb. You follow the lamb, God will put you in the families and you... Oh, I don't want to go there, but it's over in Ecclesiastes. The command to stay your post. You better know your post, and you better stay there in this hour. If you're not in your post, get there quickly. Because night is coming when no man will work. Anyway, I didn't mean to get off into that. But be wise. Don't be a fool. Say, I'm not going to be a fool. How many of you would agree it's probably not a good idea to be a fool? You know there are fools. Now, Jesus said something about it. You know, don't call people fool. Anyway, that's a whole different subject. There's a lot, of, a lot on fools in the Bible. We should preach on that someday. The fools. That'd draw a crowd, wouldn't it? Hey, you fool. I'm preaching this Sunday on hey, you fools. But be wise. Verse 16. Here's how you are wise. Redeeming the time. Because of why? 
the days are evil. The days are evil. Now, what are you to do about it? Verse 17, therefore, if you've been here, you know what therefore means. What does it mean? Look and see what it's there for. So you have to back up. Therefore, do not be unwise. Why? Because the days are evil. But understand what the will of the Lord is. You know, one of the prayers I didn't hear prayed a whole lot in this hour was, God, regarding these things, God, let your will be done. I heard many people pray in a specific way, and that's the way I prayed most of the time. I'm just going to be honest with you. Because I know, I know, I've been in those countries, and I know what it's like. And I know what happens. So I was praying too. But the highest prayer that you'll ever pray is what? Not whether you live or die, but thy, thy will be done. Let thy will be done. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. You know that author of that book, and I'm going to get it, I told you, the military guide to Armageddon. He said, and we've said this too, we've been saying this for years. God, you need to raise up, and we're just suggesting, Diedrich Bonhoeffer's in this hour. And we wanted to be those. We, we haven't shied away. And he stood in the face of evil, and he told evil what it was. He didn't back off. But I would, I would agree with that. But also, we need the sons of Issachar. Because they were those who what? They understood the times, but they knew what Israel ought to do. We don't want to just have understanding of the times. What good is that going to do? We need to know what to do about it. How are you going to know? You know by understanding what the will of the Lord is. You find his will and you follow it. And then you know what redeeming means, don't you? It means you make the best of the time that he's given you. That's why the scripture says you must work the work while it is day because night is coming when no man will work. I remember hearing a story about as a grandfather and I'm a new grandfather and we had our granddaughter's two-year birthday yesterday and it was very special. And It does something to you. You guys that were grandpas before me, you told me how special it was, and it, it is when they run to you, Grandpa, Grandpa, and it's very special. But I remember hearing a story. My grandfather wanted to teach his granddaughter how to count and how to tell time at the same time. So, he, you know, they have this clock on the mantle that uh, it's a chime, chimes the number of hours, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Anyway, he put his granddaughter in his lap, and he said, Now I want you to count the number of chimes and you tell me what time it is. And it was almost noon. And so it began one, two, three, went all the way up. And after it was over, she looked up at her grandpa and she said, Grandpa, Grandpa, I know what time it is. He said, what time? She said, it's 13 o'clock. And he looked at her and he realized she may have prophesied more than I know. It might be a whole lot later than you and I think. You know that, don't you? Alan Smith told me that. Last week I spent some time. He's one of the guys that speaks into my life from outside the church that, that I just open up to and appreciate the wisdom and counsel. And He told me a story about how the Lord told him, Alan, it's a whole lot later than you think. 
and that you give me credit for. And then there's one more thing, and then we're going to close today and pick up next week. But go to Genesis chapter 6. You guys still here? Everybody okay? You're not, you haven't checked out. I still believe God is good. I believe God is good now more than I ever have. Genesis chapter 6, beginning there in verse 4, you, you know the story we'll just review. He said, the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man forever. For he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. That's a good scripture to stand on, isn't it? But there were giants in the earth, on the earth in those days. How many of you know what those giants were? The Nephilim. Now, there's a lot of folks that know a whole lot more about the Nephilim than I know, but all I know is they were mean, big, and bad. And whether they're in this hour still on the earth, some people say they're still on the earth, they've been hidden in some under-the-earth caverns, I know not all of that. But I know whether they're in the natural, the giants in the spiritual are, are pretty big in this hour. And we better know the greater one that's in us. So there were giants on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of men came into the daughters, and we know that this is how the Nephilim were created, and that the sons of God had affairs with the daughters of men. Verse 5, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thought of his heart was only what? Evil continually. That means they weren't just content with evil one day of the week. Every day they woke up thinking how they could bring about evil on the earth and cooperate with evil. And the Lord was sorry. He was sorry that he made man on the earth. And he was grieved in his heart. And so the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. And we know what happened. We know the story. We could read it all. But look in verse 8. But Noah found what? He found grace in the sight of the Lord. So what does this story tell us? It tells us that there, there were those that God decided because of the continuation of evil to bring judgment. How many of you know there's going to be a day of judgment? The church has not been telling them there's a day of judgment coming. That every man and every woman one day will stand before God and give an account for how they lived their life on this earth. But not only did he judge a people, he saved a people. And that's what I'm excited about. He saved eight people, the family of Noah. And what's God going to do today? You know, if I understand the book of Revelation correctly, I know one thing that he's saying. It looks like to me a new Babylon is forming. If you have discernment, you can see this. And you got to know what we got to study about Babylon. One thing I know about Babylon, the Lord says, come out from among them. Be separate. Listen, if you're a part of an organization that supports abortion, gay marriage, and every vile, wicked, I'm just telling you, you can stay there if you want, but the judgment of God is coming upon the wicked. 
And you better come out from among them and be counted among the fold in this hour. You got to just you got to decide whom you're going to serve. You serve Baal with all your heart or you serve Jesus with all your heart. You can't serve both. Jesus said you're either going to love one and hate the other or you'll hate one and love her. You can't serve God and mammon. And either you're for me or you're against me. And there are many in this hour, they're, they're determined, I'm against you. And we can see it on the media. They've lifted their fist in the face of God. And in their chambers and in their policy making, they're saying, God, I'm against you. And I'm telling you, they ain't going to win when it's all said and done. But what does the Bible say about that? It says that sin is going to increase. It says, for her sins have reached into heaven. The cup of iniquity. There's a cup of iniquity that's going to be full in this hour. But what are we going to do about it? Moan and groan and complain. How many of you know that ain't working? Has it worked? All of our complaining. What has it accomplished? Nothing. So what are we going to do about it? Well, at the same time sin is on the increase, I know something else that's on the increase. What is that? The kingdom. And of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be what? No end. Now, here's how I'm going to wrap this up this morning. The kingdom of God in Romans, the three things it says about the kingdom. Now, we, we're going to have to preach a lot about the kingdom. In fact, that's not a bad thing to focus on. Jesus said, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness. I don't care what policies they create, it will not prevent the kingdom of God, the message of the kingdom from being preached in all the earth. But there are three things. Romans, is it chapter 12 or chapter 14? Three things. The kingdom of God is not food and drink, but what? Peace, righteousness, and what else? Joy. In the Holy Spirit. Just think about that for a moment. Some people think that is peace and righteousness and joy outside of the face of evil. No, I tell you, it's peace, righteousness, and joy in the face of evil. Peace is not real peace unless you've got some war you have to deal with. You're finding peace in the midst of the conflict. You know what I'm talking about. So the Lord is saying, regardless of what comes on the earth, regardless of what wars may break out, there is a peace that you can walk in because I've given you peace. Secondly, righteousness. In the midst of the onslaught of sin and the the cup of iniquity, there's going to be a people that's going to walk out righteousness in the face of what has been the most unrighteous maybe generation on the face of the earth because they've discovered the power of the cross and the power of the Holy Spirit and he's holy and they're going to live it out because they've discovered they're not denying the power thereof but they know in the power to to live a life that's separated and holy unto him do you hear me? Righteousness in the face of unrighteousness and joy in the midst of whatever hell may bring. You've taught, listen, joy's not the absence of conflict, it's peace.
peace and joy in the midst of it. Can you imagine how that's going to drive hell crazy? When people have joy in the Holy Ghost. So it's going to have to be in the Holy Spirit. Because it ain't going to be a joy you're going to strung up on your own. You know, I think I'm going to be joyful. You just crank it up. Joy. Now you can. There's a well in us. There's something to that. So it's not, you know, you pray in the Spirit and you stir it up. And the joy wells rivers of living water. But I'm telling you, what's coming is the joy in the Holy Spirit. Not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. Well, I want to pray this morning. And you know we have an audience to many nations now. So we always want to offer people an opportunity to come to faith in Jesus Christ. He's not going to lead the lost to us unless we give the lost the answer of what there's hope, there's salvation. Jesus is our peace. And you know the greatest war going on? I'd say there's 91 battles going on in the Bible, not just 90. The greatest battle is when, our, when we're at odds with God because of sin. We're enemies with God. And it's only Jesus Christ that can dissolve the middle wall that, is, that exists between man and God. And, and dissolves that wall and brings peace. And if you've ever needed peace with God, my friend, this is the hour. To be at peace with God. Not only with him, but have his peace. And then in a moment, I'm going to pray for everyone that's been disillusioned or discouraged. Your heart is heavy. You know, many people, they prayed. They believed God. They fasted. They believed the prophets. And things are happening different than what they believed. And we need to pray for those people. Because God loves them. And they may still see everything that they believe God for. God is going to write the end of this story. But I want to pray, first of all, if you've never met Jesus, and you don't know if this was your last day on the earth, that you would burst into eternity, into heaven with him forever and ever. This is the day of salvation. So I want to just lead you in a prayer. Would you guys pray with me? There may be somebody in here. You say, I don't know that I know that I'm saved. I want to know. Maybe you're not where you once were with the Lord, but you want to get back and be close. You want to come back and be as near to him as it's humanly possible. And I'm telling you, it is possible because he made a way. It's grace. It's the blood of Jesus. So I just I want you to pray with me. And, and you guys watching online, just say, dear God, I believe in you, and I believe in Jesus, that he is the son of the living God, that he died on the cross, and he rose from the dead, and I ask you to forgive me of all my sin, and I choose now by faith to turn my life over to you. I turn from sin, and I turn to Christ. Cleanse me, forgive me, heal me. I confess you as my Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised his son from the dead. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. And I want to encourage you, if you prayed that prayer, to connect with us. And we'll help you get we're becoming friends now with churches in many places, and we can help you get connected somewhere near to you. But I want to pray. How many of you, and you're watching, 
You say, man, I've been, it, it hurt this week when I saw the things unfold as they did. And I, I was a little bit discouraged and disheartened. And I need God to heal my heart. If that's you, I want you just to stand where you are. We're going to pray. God's going to do that. Going to bring healing. You say, I looked at the events and what happened in the election. And I got a little disheartened. And I didn't understand. There's some things I don't understand. And I'm hearing things, and I just need God's grace. I need his peace to flood my soul. And I feel like that's what the Lord said he's going to do. He's going to flood our soul with the peace of heaven. And I could just tell you, if you're not a little bit concerned, you don't know what's going on. You don't know. But if you know God's word, you know what's going on, and you know who's coming to put an end to it all. At the very moment, all of this stuff thinks it's got the upper hand. If I understand correctly, he's going to come and crush it. He's going to come as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so, Lord, I want to pray right now for everyone in this room, those that are watching. And, God, we just want to bring all of our dishearteningness and our discouragement and God, our lack of understanding. God, forgive us where we put our trust in men and in the outcome of our own understanding rather than our trust in God, regardless of the outcome. Lord, I ask for mercy and grace and I ask for your peace right now to flood this place and flood the body of Christ across America. God, there are many that were devastated because they put their hope in and something other than the Word of God. And I ask you to lift them up. And, and I ask God that you just fill them with joy, unspeakable and full of glory. And I pray for that, God, for all of us. I thank you. The kingdom is peace, righteousness, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And of your kingdom, there shall be no end. And I thank you, God. That though everything is being shaken around us, the kingdom is that where we place where we can stand. And not only, not only will not be shaken, but we'll have an answer for those that are looking for hope in this day. And I thank you, God, that you're raising up a people that are going to be battle ready. You've been training us all of our lives for this hour. I thank you, God, these days have not caught you un, unprepared or off guard. You've been working in us. And Lord, I thank you for reminding me this week. It's not about what you do through me, ultimately. It's about what you're doing in me. You said the work I began in you, I will complete. God, forgive us where we put more faith and hope in the work you want to do through us than in taking that which is around us as a part of what you wanted to do through in us. And that's the work you're going to complete in every one of us. And I thank you for your faithfulness, God. Thank you, you're faithful. We're going to see the faithfulness of God like we've never seen in any generation. Now, God, I know there are many still sound asleep. But I'm asking you, God, to let the trumpet sound. And I'm asking you to awaken 
the nations. God, let the sound of the trumpet of heaven erupt. God, I'm still believing you for a harvest of souls. Lord, let the nets be cast. God, I thank you that it's still true and it will be more true now than ever that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And I thank you for that life, eternal and abundant, in your son. Lord, I thank you for all the new ministries you're raising up, young men, young women. God, they're like the Jesse James and the Calamity James of this generation, but they're they're on the other side, and they're working in the kingdom. And I thank you, God, boldness, courage, frankness, unambiguously. God, I thank you for the word of the Lord that dwells richly in the lives of so many men and women in America and around the nations of the earth, and that your word will come forth. And I bless you for it, Lord. And I just pray for healing. God, I pray right now. We prayed earlier, but for those that are struggling with disease, cancer, COVID. Somebody told me, text me last night from Kenya. Their children have been taken from them because of COVID. Lord, I just ask you to let your justice prevail in that. God, would you destroy the, the works of COVID? And would you destroy the works of darkness while you're at it, God? All of the works. We stand on the finished works of Calvary. You made a public spectacle of all the works of darkness, whatever the name is. And God, I pray for healing and pray for deliverance. God, I pray for those around the earth right now that are experiencing persecution to severe degrees, one in eight, And I ask you, God, to give them that vision of eternity, that life is more than what meets the eye, that whether we live or whether we die, that we would live for your glory, that we would live to see Christ magnified in this earth and not be ashamed. For to us is to live is to Christ, and to die is gain. But I ask you, God, to deliver those that are being delivered up to death, I ask God for supernatural mercy and grace. God, you're the rescuer. You're the deliverer. You're the savior. And I ask you to do that, God, in this hour. Show yourself strong. Lord, I thank you for testimonies that are going to come out of those places that are going to be mind-boggling to the rest of us on the earth of how God moved to deliver and save and rescue God, I thank you for miracles, multiplication, signs and wonders that are going to follow the preaching of the word. And I thank you, God, that we get to live in this hour. What a glorious time. God, I thank you for the supply of Jesus Christ and the prayers of the saints. And ministries like the the Moravian lampstand. And God, I thank you there are ministries all over the earth that are just called to houses of prayer. And they're going to they're fill the bowl. While the, the bowls of iniquity are being filled, the bowls of intercession are going to be filled to overflowing. And that is going to get the attention of heaven. And I thank you, God, for that. 
Now, Lord, there's people that need a touch. They need an encounter, and I ask you to do it. God, we pray for our sons, our daughters. The whole households are going to be saved in this hour. In the name of Jesus, wayward husbands, wayward wives, sons that have been prodigal. God, I thank you. They're coming home. And as fathers, we call them home. And mothers of the faith. God, I thank you. Lord, there's so much more. But I just thank you, God, for what you're doing in this hour. And God, encourage the people that have come in here. Fill them with hope. Thank you we have hope as an anchor in our soul. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You know, just before we go, here's what I see in some of you men and women. I see like the Lord is coming with fresh wisdom, fresh manna, and a sword. He's coming with a sword. I know we've seen that from time to time, but he's coming to equip you for what you're called to do. There's some people, they only come one time to Moravian Falls because they're not called to move here, but they're called to visit. And we don't want you leaving without what God wants you to have. So I'm just praying an impartation. God, just flood them now. Give them the sword. Give them the wisdom. Remember what wisdom is. It's, one, it's the greatest weapon of war. It's, a, it's greater than their weapons. And he is our wisdom. And so we thank you for that, God. Just release that. Fresh manna. Lord, a deposit of the word being released. Fresh orders. Fresh orders. I see it's like the Lord's coming up and he's putting a stripe on some of you. He's giving you new stripes. You're going to go back with new orders. New strategies. We cannot trust in what we've seen in the past. I could tell you a lot about that, but I know the Lord drilled that in me this week. You cannot trust in what you have seen. You need fresh vision. So, Lord, I pray fresh vision, fresh impartation. God, I ask for the... Lord, just let the windshield wipers clear away. All that that's formed over our windshields and let that fresh vision come and I thank you for it 